Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, senior pastor of Genesis in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alum, which means we have spent time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. Thanks, Ruth. And I want to let you know we appreciate the great response we've had to the first four seasons of the podcast. And we would love to bring more seasons and expand what we're doing with the podcast. But all those things take financial resources. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, we invite you to become a monthly patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com and searching for Strengthening the Soul of your leadership podcast. Steve, what is Patreon? I don't even know what that is. Oh my gosh, you're such a <laughs> I know. Just enlighten me, please. Patreon <clears throat> is a great way that people who listen to you and who love the Ministry of Transforming Center and who've gotten things out of this podcast to be able to give $2 a month, $5 a month or more, and they get they get bonus content from you, Ruth, that no one else gets. Exclusive <laughs> Wonderful. bonus content. There's no downside to that, is there? There is no, no downside. downside. So go to patreon.com, everybody. Search for Ruth Haley Barton or Strengthen the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. And please join us by becoming a monthly patron. Everybody, welcome to another season of Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership with Ruth Haley Barton. My name is Steve Weens, as always, the host, and I am so excited to dive into this topic, Invitation to Solitude and Silence. Ruth, this is a thing, this is a topic that people, I think, come to you over and over again, and you somehow always have more to say about it. Uh, it's You wrote this book a number of years ago, mm-hmm. uh, so talk a little bit before we dive in to why you're feeling uh, an importance to talk about this mm-hmm. again. Well, our culture has really changed since this book was written in 2004. Um, there's much more technology. There's much more distracted distraction. It's much harder to actually fully unplug because our technologies make it possible for us to be plugged in all the time. And so now the disciplines of solitude and silence, I think, are more challenging than they've ever been. And yet people are longing for it more deeply than they ever have, not just in a Christian environment, but the secular society as well. Um, this topic of solitude and silence and retreat is something that, you know, many, many authors are writing about now because it's so desperately needed. I agree. And so let's dive in. Chapter one mm-hmm. and episode one is called Beyond Words. Uh, and I love it. So often you frame your books and your podcast seasons with a biblical story. So tell us about the story that's going to frame season five, Invitation to mm-hmm. Solitude and Silence. Well, this season we're going to be walking with Elijah. And Elijah is someone I can identify with because he was definitely a leader in his uh, in his time. He was a prophet in Israel. And in 1 Kings 19, we see him pulling away from his life in the company of others, pulling away from his responsibilities and his leadership, um, and doing so in a fairly desperate way. And it's interesting because in 1 Kings 18, we actually see him having a great deal of success in, in his life in ministry. He was having trouble um, convincing the Israelites to continue to walk faithfully with God. And so he sets up this contest where he has the prophets of the false gods set up altars, and then he sets up an altar, and they're going to pray to their gods and see which God answers. And on that particular day, our God, the God that we know, Elijah's God, is the God who answered with fire. So the prophets of Baal, they were doing all sorts of dramatic things. They were weeping and wailing and cutting themselves and beating their chests, and nothing happened. But Elijah calls to his God, our God, 
and God answers. And on that day, he's the God that answers with fire. And so I like to joke about the fact that this was the best altar call ever. On that day, everybody was a believer, right? Because yeah. it was so obvious who the one true God was. So that's why it's so surprising to see First Kings 19 and to find Elijah desperate and depressed and afraid and running for his life. Queen Jezebel, who was highly threatened by his display of spiritual authority and power, actually had a bounty on his head. And so Elijah's in a fairly depleted state and he's just done with it all. And so in 1 Kings 19, we see that he has left his life in leadership. He's left his life in the company of others. He's left his community and he's gone into the wilderness. He is slumped down under the solitary broom tree. And he says to God, it's enough now, O Lord, you can take my life. So I don't think that Elijah knew much about the practice of solitude and silence as we know it today, but he certainly knew he needed something different than the God who answered him on the mountaintop. I, I know he was grateful for how God answered him, but sometimes I think about Elijah as saying, you know what, God, thanks so much for that, but I need a more personal encounter with you now. And you've been in ministry a long time, Ruth, and a spiritual director once compared your inner self to a jar of river water that is all shaken up. So can you describe the disconnect that many Christian leaders have between lots of religious activity or service on the one hand, but then this deep sense of emptiness and hunger mm -hmm. that you just described Elijah had yeah. on the other hand. Well, it's interesting because I encountered Elijah during a time of great longing in my own life and great need. And it, I'd come to a place in my own life where I knew I was hyper busy uh, trying to achieve things and do things in God's name. And yet in the midst of some outward success, I recognized it inside. It was all stirred up with questions that I... Uh, had no answers for really emotions that I could somehow manage, but I couldn't fully um, see them transformed into anything positive. Uh, I did, I was beginning to recognize that I wasn't living well. I wasn't living in a healthy way because I was driving myself too much. And my family, the people around me weren't satisfied with what they were getting and not getting from me. And so it was a time of outward success, but inner longing and inner emptiness and, and questions. And so it was during that time that I sought out a spiritual director who characterized my life as a jar of river water all shaken up. And she said, you know, Ruth, what you really need to do is to sit still long enough so the sediment can settle and the water can become clear. When she said that, was that like a breath of fresh air, like, oh, finally permission? Or was it a little bit like, wait a minute, I, I don't... I don't know if I want to slow mm -hmm. down. Yeah. Well, it was penetrating because I could not deny what she was saying. What she was saying was absolutely true. So when someone that you've allowed to really see into your soul says something that's that true about you, you can't really squirm out of it. Now, yeah. I would have liked to. I would have liked to have said, now, wait a second. I'm more than that. I'm more than a jar of river water all shaken up. I am an author and I am a speaker <laughs> and I am a mother and blah, 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 blah. But the truth was that in terms of who I was at the deepest level right there, I was the jar of river water all shaken up. And it was, it was sobering and it was true. And um, I love Richard Rohr's statement that a good journey begins with knowing where you are and being willing to go someplace else because it, it felt like that kind of moment for me that I knew where I was. I was the jar of river water all shaken up, but I also knew that I wanted something different. I knew that there was some new place I needed and wanted to go. And so that metaphor, uh, the picture, the image of a jar of river water that had been sitting still long enough for the sediment to settle and the water to become clear, that just called to me with mm -hmm. vision and with hope and um, something that I wanted, I wanted to sacrifice anything I could to walk into that.
did you have to go home and tell your husband, tell your family, hey, I don't know if things are going to change for mm. me around here, but I think they might. Or was that later? After a while. Yeah. After a while, but not right away. Um, at first, it was all I could do to sit with the invitation and to even try to figure out if I could do it and if I was willing to change my life. So it was pretty private for a while. Um, but I think that's important because mm -hmm. I'm more likely to go home and tell right. my wife and mm -hmm. in a way that she's not quite ready for it and I'm mm -hmm. not even quite ready to right. even know what I'm saying. Right, yeah. So yeah. I think that's important to mm -hmm. sort of name if you're getting, even right now, if you're feeling, oh my, mm -hmm. I'm that jar of river water. It's okay. Yeah. Like you yeah. don't have to declare mm -hmm. war right now on right. busyness. Mm -hmm. Maybe just name it. Right. Yeah. To be present with your reality is life changing in itself. Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, Ruth, you wrote this book 14 years ago and there was no Twitter mm -hmm. and there really, uh, there was no iPhones. Uh, so how has our addiction to words, noise, performance, and all that stuff changed over that time? And what effect do you think it has had, especially on Christian leaders and pastors? Well, it is true that when I first experienced my invitation to solitude and silence, I don't even, you know, we just, we didn't even have, we didn't have, it's hard to imagine now, but we did not have iPhones. Yeah. So you could step outside your house and not be connected. Like you could drive to somewhere and be quiet in the car. You went on vacation and you couldn't be reached and couldn't reach anyone. And so it felt countercultural even then to be invited into solitude and silence because especially Protestant evangelicalism is so wordy in our approach to the spiritual life. So we're very much into the preached word. We're very much into our dogmas and our theologies, all of which are expressed through words. Um, and the activism of Protestant evangelicalism as well, where we're always doing stuff. We're always trying to make a difference. We're always trying to save the world in Jesus' name. That to pull back and to move beyond words and beyond activity was still very countercultural at that time in a different way. But now um, what's available to us in terms of keeping us connected and all the social media outlets that there are, depending on how many you're involved with, if you're doing Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram or whatever, um, and your phone's with you all the time. And now we even have it on our wrists. I mean, when the mm -hmm. phones used to come out, well, at least you still had you to carry them in away. your pocket or something. But now we actually have our emails connected to the watches on our wrists. So literally our body vibrates when someone wants to get a hold of us. Now we have to really work hard and do very specific, concrete things in order to unplug and experience solitude and silence at all. And I will say that one of the things that I've noticed, and it distresses me, is that our attention spans have definitely shrunk. And so we find it hard to even focus on the inner life or even focus on, a, on reading a real book or reading a longer journal article. So even when we are in solitude and silence now, our attention spans are shorter and it's harder now, I think, for us to actually settle down on the inside. Yeah, I think one of the practices that I encourage my congregation to do mm -hmm. is when you're standing in line at Chipotle mm -hmm. or is to not pull out right, your phone. Exactly. Now, it's going to be five mm -hmm. minutes where you're going to have to think right. about something else. Mm -hmm. But that is when right. your brain normally mm -hmm. would settle into right. some problem solving mm -hmm. or some you're, you're or even just your rest day. and being <laughs> being able to reflect on what just happened to you maybe in a conversation. Yeah. 
doctor's office is another is another place mm -hmm. or when you're waiting for your car to be fixed yeah that of course now we can keep scrolling mm -hmm. we can pull out the phone and keep scrolling through stuff but but i i love the suggestion what about if we didn't yeah what if we let those moments be moments of quiet for settling and for reflection and hearing from god even yeah okay so ruth what do you invite leaders to do when all the familiar methods of seeking god come up empty mm-hmm well, that's certainly where I was. I was a person who was already in leadership, and yet my own personal seeking after God just wasn't working. And I'm not even sure I was seeking God for myself personally at that point. You know, you can get so caught up in your ministry and in your leadership that you really get out of touch with God at the center of your being. And so um, I believe that sometimes we have to let go of what we have been doing and then receive a new way. And so for me, I did let go of a lot. I let go of my normal methods of prayer. I let go of my normal methods of Bible study, um, really began to let go of my belief that it was, that it was going to come to me through preaching or small groups or whatever, and that there was something else that I needed. And I'd been very faithful to all those other ways for a long time. So a spiritual director inviting me into solitude and silence felt very different and very, almost counterintuitive. What do you mean let go of all the ways that I have been seeking God? How can that be the right thing to do? <laughs> and yet um, I trusted my spiritual director. And so I, I entered in and I started letting go of a lot of what I had been doing and embracing what we now understand to be solitude and silence, these practices that seekers down through the ages have used to seek God. It's just that some of us have gotten you know out of touch with those. Man, and you... So you describe, I want you to describe it more. You describe the practice of solitude and silence as concrete ways of opening to the presence of God beyond human effort mm -hmm. and beyond the human constructs that can't fully contain the divine. Mm -hmm. That's a mouthful and I love it. But say a little more about what you mean by that. Well, all spiritual practices open us to God. They're all ways of giving up control. Every single spiritual practice rightly practiced is going to be, is going to involve some way of letting go and letting God be God in our lives, giving up our own control. Solitude and silence really confront our addiction to noise, to words, to activity, to, you know, theological dogmas, because we're letting go of all that in order to be open and receptive to the presence of God. So solitude and silence in particular are very powerful in terms of giving us ways to let go of control and all of our clinging and grasping at everything that we've been clinging and grasping at. Um, and really do confront us with the reality that all the ways we think we contain God don't really contain God. So they are practices that also give us a way to allow God to be bigger than the ways we normally think about God or our normal systematic theologies or whatever. We let God be bigger than our own human constructs about God, which will always be inadequate. They will always fall short. Just think about it. If I could contain God in my own theology, in my own thoughts, and in my own mind, then I would have a God who is nothing more than my own small mind. So right. I don't want right. that, you know? Right. I want a God who's bigger than that. And solitude and silence helps me open to the more. Oh, that is so beautiful and true and good and challenging. And challenging, yes. And um, throws you into mm -hmm. a kind of limbo or paradox where you can feel a little mm -hmm. unmoored for a while. Yeah. But I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a liminal space that Roar and others yeah. talk about, a wilderness place mm -hmm. maybe. And uh, even thinking about Elijah. So there he is under the broom bush and 
he's coming off this victory, but it doesn't feel like a victory because right. someone's chasing him. Mm-hmm. Someone's really trying to kill him. Right. And he must have been scared mm-hmm. to death. Like that could right. have happened. Right. So he goes into silence and solitude, though he didn't really choose it. I mean, he mm-hmm. kind of did, but he just ran. So, but um, for those of us who are resonating with the mm-hmm. need for solitude and silence, we feel like the river water jar. Where should we start? And um, and then fast forward a little bit, like what ground are we going to cover this season? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we start with getting in touch for the long, with the longing for more. The fact that what we have been doing isn't working anymore. Maybe even getting in touch with the fact that it's been a while since we've experienced intimacy with God for ourselves or the longing that I have for more of God than I have right now. And to let that longing begin to guide us into these very countercultural and counterintuitive practices because that's what's going to carry us in and that's when it, what's going to carry us through those challenging moments when it seems like nothing's happening that desire yes the desire um and so then as we pay attention to our desire then from there we will need to begin somewhere so um, we're going to begin by talking about how to actually enter in what do i do with my body what do i do with my distractions how do i sit you know um what do i do with my thoughts we're going to just get very practical about yeah. how to begin Good. and and how challenging that can be we're going to talk about resistance, the fact that there's a part of us that will resist this practice because it is so countercultural and counterintuitive. Um, we'll face our tiredness. You know, one of the first things that often happens when people get into solitude and silence is that they might even fall asleep and they feel really guilty about that. But what that really says to us is, I'm tired. Yeah. So how am I living my life that has me so tired that I can't be in this relationship with the person I want so much to be in relationship with that I keep falling asleep. Right. So we'll talk about different levels of tiredness and how we can rest ourselves in solitude and silence. Um, we'll talk about the, the moments when we face real emptiness and how uncomfortable that is. What do we do with ourselves when it just feels empty? You know, um, the chaos there is, there are times when we become very aware of an inner chaos that perhaps we weren't even aware of before when we were keeping ourselves all distracted. Um, We'll talk about what it's like to experience the presence of God differently than perhaps we've Mm -hmm. experienced God in the words and in the activity. And then finally, we'll ask ask and answer the question, is this just narcissistic navel-gazing or is it more? You know, is there any way in which this could be for the sake of others or is this just about me becoming more self-focused because that's a question people have as well so those are that's some of the ground that we'll cover as we as we discuss and talk and i think um i actually found myself rising to this topic again Mm -hmm. as you were going through the 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 movements the Mm -hmm. steps because it's a process Mm -hmm. it's learning and i've been trying to do this for years and years and years and it's still Mm -hmm. Uh, it's still cha- challenging for me. There's this little group of guys that mm-hmm. we we meet and we start our meeting when we meet together once a month with 10 minutes of silence. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to be with guys quietly. Mm-hmm. And that 10 minutes, man, it seems like 30. And the mm-hmm. last time we met, someone screwed up on what on who was timing it. So it, it I was like, <laughs> did okay, it go on? Th- this is <laughs> this has got to be more than 10 minutes. Like, I'm, I'm, so finally, I broke the silence. Yes. You know, I'm like, do we get to talk hey, yet? Hey, hey, who, who's, and, and it was like, it was yes. like 15 or 20 minutes. Wow, good so for funny. you though, you made it. So I was like, oh, like either I'm totally crazy yeah. and I've lost my right. ability to, to, to sit in silence or someone screwed up on yes. the timer. Um, so, and I love how you talk about solitude as the foundation for 
the other practices, mm-hmm. right? If we, yeah. so that's why we're, that's why we're starting here. Like learning to be with what is, uh, allows us to, to, to grow beyond mm-hmm. that. Right. Yep. Beautiful. Uh, okay, Ruth, that was episode one beyond words. And, uh, next episode, episode two, we're going to talk about how to begin. Uh, but before we do that, uh, Ruth, you have a practice mm-hmm. that, that you, every chapter you end with a practice. And so you're going to lead us through that. Yeah, I'd like to just give us a taste of what it means to practice, because I think the topic of solitude and silence is interesting and intriguing, but many people stop with just talking about it and they never actually practice. So I'd like to encourage us if you're driving to pull over to the side of the road. This will not Please. work if you're still <laughs> driving. Um, but just to begin by settling into a comfortable position physically, um, you might want to put both feet on the floor as a way of opening up your body and your inner space. Um, take several deep breaths. And many of us as Christians are hesitant about breathing. We think that that's some sort of Eastern religion, but indeed God gave us our breath and continues to give us our breath. So focusing on breathing can be a very spiritual thing to do. So let's just do that. Let's just inhale deeply three times Um, inhale all the way all the way down to the bottom of your abdomen fill it up allow your lungs to fill up and then exhale very slowly and as you breathe allow it to quiet you allow that which is usually unknown and outside of your awareness to actually surface allow yourself to become aware of whatever is true for you right now as you breathe notice what's drawing you into solitude and silence right now even though it's challenging you still feel the draw what's happening in your relationship with God that seems to be inviting you into this intimacy is it a feeling of desperation perhaps desperate for more of God than you have right now Does desire capture your feeling more accurately? What is it that you're experiencing that draws you to solitude and silence now? Just breathe with those experiences. Let it be real and let it be enough just to know that that's what's true for you inside. Don't avoid anything, but receive whatever is true for you right now and just be with it in God's presence. And then hear this prayer as a prayer that may be true for you. O God, gather me now to be with you as you are with me. Soothe my tiredness, quiet my fretfulness, curb my aimlessness, relieve my compulsiveness. Let me be easy for a moment. O Lord, release me from the fears and guilts which grip me so tightly from the expectations and opinions which I so tightly grip. 
that I may be open to receiving what you give, to risking something genuinely new, to learning something refreshingly different. O God, gather me now to be with you as you are with me. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts to choose from, and we are grateful you spent the last 30 minutes with us. If God has stirred something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin your own journey of leadership transformation. I was a part of Transforming Community Number 6 way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. Transforming Community is a practice-based spiritual formation journey with nine quarterly retreats. The Transforming Community is designed to integrate your spirituality and leadership, helping you reclaim practices and experiences spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. Also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, we would love to hear from you, and there are three ways that you can respond. One is going to patreon.com, search for Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast, and you can become a monthly patron at various levels. Second is that you can share your favorite episode with friends. And third is you can go onto iTunes and leave a rating and review. To find out more about the Transforming Community Experience or to apply, go to transformingcenter.org. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast.